Hello and welcome to Newman's Thoughts, a multimedia reading project from the Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture to promote the thoughts and ideas of our patron saint, John Henry Newman. I'm Patrick Callahan, director of the Newman Institute. Today is day 16, and I'm reading section 3 of Discourse 2 to St. John Henry Newman's The Idea of a University. I'm using the Cluny Media edition of The Idea of a University. You can follow along with this or any other edition or even online via our daily email. St. John Henry Newman, The Idea of a University, Discourse 2, Theology, a Branch of Knowledge, Section 3. Still, however, this may seem to many an abrupt conclusion, and will not be acquiesced in. What answer, gentlemen, will be made to it? Perhaps this. It will be said that there are different kinds or spheres of knowledge, human, divine, sensible, intellectual, and the like, and that a university certainly takes in all varieties of knowledge in its own line but still it has a line of its own. It contemplates, it occupies a certain order, a certain platform of knowledge. I understand the remark, but I own to you, I do not understand how it can be made to apply to the matter in hand. I cannot so construct my definition of the subject matter of university knowledge, and so draw my boundary lines around it, as to include therein the other sciences commonly studied at universities, and to exclude the science of religion. For instance, are we to limit our idea of university knowledge by the evidence of our senses? Then we exclude ethics by intuition? We exclude history by testimony? We exclude metaphysics by abstract reasoning? We exclude physics? Is not the being of a god reported to us by testimony, handed down by history, inferred by an inductive process, brought home to us by metaphysical necessity, urged on us by the suggestions of our conscience? It is a truth in the natural order, as well in the supernatural order, so much for its origin, and when obtained, what is it worth? Is it a great truth or a small one? Is it a comprehensive truth? Say that no other religious idea whatever were given but it, and you have enough to fill the mind. You have at once a whole dogmatic system. The word God is a theology in itself, indivisibly one, inexhaustibly various, from the vastness and the simplicity of its meaning, admit a God and you introduce among the subjects of your knowledge a fact encompassing, enclosing in upon, absorbing, every other fact conceivable. How can we investigate any part of any order of knowledge, and stop short of that which enters into every order? All true principles run over with it. All phenomena converge to it. It is truly the first and the last. In word and deed, and in idea, it is enough to divide knowledge into human and divine, secular and religious, and to lay down that we will address ourselves to the one without interfering with the other. But it is impossible, in fact. Granting that divine truth differs in kind from human, so do human truths differ in one kind from another. If the knowledge of the Creator is in a different order from knowledge of the creature, so in like manner metaphysical science is in a different order from physical, physics from history, history from ethics. You will soon break up into fragments the whole circle of secular knowledge, if you begin the mutilation with divine. I have been speaking simply of natural theology. My argument, of course, is stronger when I go on to Revelation. Let the doctrine of the Incarnation be true. Is it not at once of the nature of a historical fact and of a metaphysical? Let it be true that there are angels. How is not this a point of knowledge in the same sense as the naturalist's asservation that myriads of living things might coexist on the point of a needle? That the earth is to be burned by fire is, if true, as large a fact as that huge monsters once played amid its steps. That Antichrist is to come is as categorical a heading to a chapter of history, as that Nero or Julian was emperor of Rome, that a divine influence moves the will, is a subject of thought not more mysterious than the result of volition on our muscles, 
which we admit as a fact in metaphysics. I do not see how it is possible for a philosophical mind first to believe these religious facts to be true, next to consent to ignore them, and thirdly, in spite of this, to go on to profess to be teaching all the while de omni shibboli. No, if a man thinks in his heart that these religious facts are short of truth, that they are not true in the sense in which the general fact and the law of the fall of a stone to the earth is true, I understand his excluding religion from his university, though he professes other reasons for its exclusion. In that case, the varieties of religious opinion under which he shelters his conduct are not only his apology for publicly disowning religion, but a cause of his privately disbelieving it. He does not think that anything is known or can be known for certain about the origin of the world or the end of man. Thanks for listening to Newman's Thoughts. To discover more about today's readings or to download this season's reading guide, visit www.newmansthoughts.com. This has been a production of the Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture, an apostle of the Diocese of Lincoln in partnership with St. Gregory the Great Seminary and the UNL Newman Center, St. Thomas Aquinas Church.